0: Well, we're excited about what God is doing, and I uh, want to get into what he has for us tonight. Are you ready to receive from the Lord tonight? I'm ready as well. Can you do this with me? Can you hold your Bibles high, and let's make a declaration of our faith. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for this word. It is the absolute truth, and I believe it. It is your personal love letter to me, and I receive it. It's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues. Lord, tonight, my ears are ready to hear your word. My heart is ready to receive your word. And I, by faith, am ready to be a doer of the word, no matter what comes my way. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, as we approach your word tonight, I thank you that you would take the words off the pages and inscribe them on our hearts, that tonight we would leave with your word engrafted on our hearts, imprinted on our hearts, that we would know you more intimately, that we would know you as Father. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you brought your Bible with you, can you turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 11? Mark 11, we're going to pick up in verse 12. And what I like to do is I like, I'm a call and response kind of guy. So when you get there, just shout at me and say, I got it. Mark 11, verse 12. Guys are fast. Mark's in the New Testament. So start flipping towards the uh, latter half of your Bible. New Testament, second gospel in the New Testament. And they're making it really easy for us. Now they put it up on the screen as well. Okay, well, we're going to take a look tonight at the account of the withered fig tree in Mark chapter 11, or as I like to say, the fithered wig tree, which is really fun to say, the fithered wig tree. So have you ever seen a wig tree? No? You need to see a wig tree. Okay, some of you will get that later. Mark 11:12. Here we are. I want to pick up. Are you there again? Say, I got it. Okay. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. That he is referring to Jesus. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. I want you to pay careful attention and store in your mind that last sentence. It was not the season for figs. Because that doesn't matter to Jesus. You're about to see what happens. Now, in verse 14, Jesus said in response, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, it's interesting to me that... (laughs) Jesus, the one who was there when seed time and harvest was established, went to see if there was fruit on a tree when it's not time for the tree to have some fruit on it. And then Jesus says, you know what? Well, no one's going to eat from you again. Well, Jesus, there's not supposed to be fruit on that tree right now. Your father made sure that there's a season for those figs to come. Jesus didn't care that there was a season that it was supposed to happen. He knew his father, and he knew his word. Well, this is going to get important now. So what happens is from here, Jesus then goes into uh, Jerusalem and he goes into the temple. And this is where he gets the cord. He starts whipping things up and messing things up and kicking everybody out and saying, you don't know what my father's house is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. Well, we're going to pick up in verse 20. So flip down just a couple verses. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots Everyone say the roots. Now, that's not the band. That's the the roots right here. Okay, dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, He will have whatever he says. Verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I love this passage that I began to study a couple weeks ago. The Lord began several weeks ago. The Lord began to reveal something to me that I don't believe I've ever seen. Now, some of the great founders of the faith movement, the modern faith movement, uh, Kenneth Hagin, E. Hagin, his life was transformed from Mark 11, 23 and 24. That is how he got up out of the bed of sickness. And it's interesting because what the Lord revealed to me is that there is a difference between verse 23 and verse 24. And I want to show that to you right now. Go back to verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, whoever says to the mountain, Verse 24, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask. Tonight, I want to talk about the difference between saying and asking. I want to talk about the difference, the authority that we have in Christ to say to the mountain to move. We're going to discover tonight that Jesus didn't ask the mountains to move. He told them to move. And there's a subtle difference here. Could it be that maybe in our lives we're not receiving in certain areas from God because we're asking when we should be saying? And I believe God wants to take us on a journey tonight where we begin to see we've got some things that are available to us in Christ that we are way more privileged than we may realize and this is exciting stuff. Now, I want to look at this account also in the book of Matthew, because Matthew points out some different things here. Can you go to Matthew chapter 21, please? Matthew is the first gospel of the New Testament. Now, Mark was written by John Mark, who was not a direct disciple of Jesus, but he was sort of a disciple of Peter. And, um, and you know the story of Barnabas and Mark and, and Paul, but Matthew, this is Levi, the tax collector. He had a direct account, a direct relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to read his account and see a little bit of the difference here in Matthew chapter 21. And I want you to go to verse 18. And when you get there, I want you to shout at me. Matthew 21, verse 18. Okay. Again, the, the message of the feathered wig tree. Here we go. Verse 18. Now in the morning, As he turned to the city, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered. Immediately, the fig tree withered. The moment Jesus spoke those words out, that tree began to wither by the root. Immediately. Now here's verse 20. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, "'How did the fig tree wither so soon?' And Jesus said to them, "'Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, "'you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, "'but also if you say to this mountain, "'Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. "'And whatever things you ask in prayer, "'believing, you will receive.'" You know, I really want to spend some time focusing tonight on the difference between what we need to say and what we need to ask, because that's where we're going to find our lives as Christians being far more successful than they may be. Say. Ask. Check out this. Go over just a couple pages to Matthew chapter 17. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. And when you're there, just say, I got it. Now we're about to read Matthew 17, 20. Now what happens here is there's a boy who's sick. He's an epileptic. He seizes and he, and he falls down and he, it, it's really dangerous for this boy. And so the dad is saying, I brought my son to your, to your disciples. And they tried, they tried, but they couldn't cast him out. So now we're picking up where Jesus has cast him out. And here's what happened. Verse 20. So Jesus said to them, they asked, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Your lack of faith. For assuredly, I say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. You know, we sing a lot of songs about God. There's nothing impossible for you. God, you can do all things. God, you can do all things. Jesus turns around and says nothing shall be impossible unto you if we believe and do not doubt in our heart. Nothing shall be impossible. You know, it's interesting because in these three accounts that we read, two are the same and one different, Jesus just pulls out of the air this word mountain. Nobody's talking about mountains. And Jesus starts talking about mountains. He's not talking about a literal mountain, you know that. He's talking about something that in your mind seems impossible. Something that seems insurmountable. And yet he says, if you only believe and don't doubt in your heart, whatever is standing in between you and what God has for you, you have the right to tell that mountain to move. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't have to ask God to move the mountain. You have the right to tell that mountain to move. So, what is standing in between you tonight and what God has for you? What is standing in between you and what God has for you? You're going to learn tonight, you can tell that mountain to move. There's a difference we're going to see tonight. We need to speak to the mountains and we need to ask for what we desire. These three scriptures that we read tell us the same thing speak to the mountains, ask for what you desire. Now, in order to have the confidence to tell that mountain to move, you need to know that you have the right to tell that mountain to move. You know, there are two things that give us the right to tell that mountain to move. And number one is our relationship. Think of a prince. I don't know how many princes are left in the land, but if a prince goes out to carry out the decree of his father and he goes into the land and he says, this is what's going to happen. Nobody's going to question the prince because he knows that he is the son, the heir to the king. He's not yet the king, is he? But he's an heir to the throne. And so whatever he says, because of his relationship to the king, it's as good as if the king said it. Are you with me? Okay, so I want you to see this in John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. The right means the power and the authority to become children of God. All you have to do to have a relationship with God is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever Jesus has, you have. Romans chapter 8, I want you to see this, just in case you don't actually believe me. Romans chapter 8. Somebody say, speak Speak to the mountain. mountain. I want you to go to Romans 8, and I want you to look at verse 14. For as many, if you're there, shout at me, say, I got it. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. There's that relationship again. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Again, just reiterating the point that when you receive Jesus, God becomes close, as close as your daddy, Abba, Father. He becomes your father. Let's keep going. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, here we go, children of God, relationship, children of God. If children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. The first principle that gives you the right to tell that mountain to move is your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You have a right simply on the basis of your relationship with God to tell that mountain to move. The second principle that gives you the right to tell that mountain to move is your authority. Two things we have here number one is our relationship. Number two is our authority. If we can begin to understand that we have a direct relationship with God and we're looking to him to move the mountain and he's telling us, I've already made you my son and everything my son did, you can do everything. My son said, you can say, not only have I made you my son or my daughter, but I have vested you with my authority. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me. The next sentence, go therefore. That implies that the same authority he had, he has now given to us. People say, oh, that was just for the disciples. No. This same Jesus, who has done all 2,000 plus years ago, has made it available to everyone who would believe on his name. John chapter 17, Jesus prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and he prays for everyone who would believe because of the word of the disciples. So don't tell me that all the miracles died out with the apostles, because that ain't so. What is the mountain standing between you and what God says you can have? Now, I'm not talking about being greedy, and I'm not talking about being entitled, because sometimes, even in the Christian world, we can develop this sense of entitlement, like, oh, this belongs to me. You know, a good king will teach his prince and his son how to start at a very humble place so that he can learn to be a king and know what it's like at the lowest place. And we need to understand that, yes, we have everything made available to us, but the difference is Not everything we say is going to happen. There are some things we need to ask for. We're going to look at that tonight. I believe the Lord uses that as a humbling process in our lives so that we don't build up the idea that we are entitled to absolutely everything, but we have to learn to humble ourselves and ask of the Lord who will willingly give what we desire. But I believe that's why Jesus is making the distinction. See, the mountain in our lives is an issue that has arisen, that is standing as a wedge between you. You and what god says you already can have When he talks about asking he's talking about desires. He's talking about needs that are coming up But the mountain is different and it's a subtle distinction, but it's so important I want to give you uh some examples of this because as you know, again We're just going to do a simple overview tonight. You've really got to study through your scripture I want to tell you this you got to know the gospel because you got to know what to say whatever jesus said you got to say Whatever Jesus asked, you got to ask. I can't walk you through all the Gospels tonight. That's why you got to know your Word. That's why you got to know your Bible. Our whole life on this earth, we got to study this Scripture so that when the crisis arises, so that when the mountain shows up, we know exactly what to do. That's it, right there. Let me ask you a question Did Jesus ever have to ask the Father to remove sickness? From your knowledge of the Gospels, can you tell me a time where Jesus asked the Father to remove sickness? No, not at all. Not once did Jesus ask the Father to remove sickness. You do the research later on. Did Jesus ever ask the Father to remove a demon? Not once. What did he do in both cases? He spoke. He spoke. He said, Go. Whatever the mountain was, he told it because he already knew his relationship to the Father. He already knew his authority as a son. You see, you look at this, okay, obviously, Pastor Kurt, that's Jesus. But we just read that anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus is a son of God. You have the very same authority that Jesus had, and you have the very same relationship to the Father that Jesus had. I want to ask you another question. Did Jesus ever ask the Father for provision? So this is a little challenging one here. The scriptures don't give us an account of Jesus asking the Father for provision. Jesus had such a relationship to the Father that he knew what belonged to him. And he just called it. Watch this now. The temple tax. Jesus shows up at the temple. The temple tax collectors are like, hey, you know, they say, Peter, does your master not pay the temple tax? And Peter's like, uh, yes, yes. And he's like, no, then Jesus already knew he was coming. Jesus is great. He says, Peter, what do you think, man? You know, who really should pay the taxes, the sons or the strangers? And Peter says, the strangers. And Jesus said, nevertheless, let's not offend them. Okay? Jesus, here's what I want you to do. Go fishing, buddy. You love to fish. Go fishing. Cast a hook in. The first fish you pull out, guess what? It's enough money to cover you and me. Nowhere in that account did Jesus ask the Father to provide for his need. Nowhere in that account. He already knew the provision was there because he had a relationship with the father. He already knew that. Even Abraham, who walked with the Lord, not as close as Jesus, already knew walking up the mountain with Isaac, the Lord will provide himself. He already knew the provision was there. How about feeding the 5,000? People get confused. Oh, Jesus said grace over the bread. He, he, you know, the scripture says that he told the disciples, you feed them. The scripture says that after he confused that, well, he doesn't say that, but you know, they were all confused. What, what do you mean we're going to feed 5,000? It's like 12,000 people, 5,000 men plus the women plus the children. So it's upwards of 10,000 people. And then Jesus takes the bread and all he does is bless it and pass it out. Nowhere does it say that he asked the father to provide. He already knew based on his relationship, he had the authority. Okay, let's keep going here. How about the wind and wave? When Jesus is sleeping in the boat and we're all thinking, how are you sleeping when that boat is rocking? And the disciples are freaking out. The boat's beginning to take on water and they wake up Jesus and say, don't you care that we're gonna perish? And Jesus says, why do you have such little faith? I told you we were going to the other side. And he rebuked the wind and wave. He didn't say, father, You created the wind and wave. Can you you have them stop? Can you just, they're they're really being nasty right now. You know, can you? No. He said, stop. He rebuked it. He didn't have to petition the father for what he knew the father had already given him authority to do. How about raising Lazarus from the dead? I love this account of raising Lazarus from the dead. You can read it later on. You can read it over in John chapter 11. See, people think Jesus actually said, Father, he got up to the tomb of of Lazarus. And he says, Father, I know that you've heard me because I know that you always hear me. But I'm not praying for me. I'm praying for them around me so that they know that you sent me. He didn't ask God, God, can I raise this dude from the dead? Like, you know, is that okay with you? No, he prayed so that people around him would know that God sent him. He didn't ask the father to raise Lazarus. He already knew because of his relationship and because of his authority, he had the right to speak to that mountain and tell it to move. And that mountain was death. You see, we're rehearsing these things because the scripture teaches us this is not just something that's made available to the only begotten Son of God, but the scripture tells us later on in the New Testament, in the epistles, that Jesus was not just the only begotten, but the firstborn among many brethren, and that's you and me. So what is available to Jesus is available to you and to me. Okay, final scripture I want to look at here, well, not not, for this account, is the Passover Supper. Man, this is just hilarious. Peter and John are like, Jesus says, go prepare the Passover. Where? He says, go into the city and find a dude and he'll, he'll show you where to go. Wherever he goes, follow him. How did Jesus know that? He had such a relationship with the Father. He didn't have to ask the Father, you know, can we borrow this room? You know, can we borrow this room for the Passover supper? It's my last one with my buddies, you know? No, he knew the Father. And so he spoke, this is what you're going to do. We're talking about speaking to those mountains because whatever is standing between you and what the Lord has said you could already have, you need to tell to go. You have the right based on your relationship and based on your authority in Christ to tell that mountain to move. Let me give you another personal example about this. Now, I love going to my parents' house. When I go to my parents' house, I haven't lived there in about 10 years. When I go to my parents' house, I walk in the door, and you can ask them. Usually the very first thing I do is open their refrigerator. I, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what's in the fridge. Because, see, my parents, they got good food in the house, you know? And uh, we got four-year-old kids, and it's a privilege to have good food sometimes. So I'm like, man, I just say, hey, Mom, how you doing? And the first thing you see in the house is the refrigerator. Now, my parents, the way that they live, it's not just the refrigerator. It's what's on top of the refrigerator. They got stuff on top of the refrigerator, and I love it. They know it's my favorite. So I walk in the door. I actually don't have to ask my mom and dad. Now, if I walk down the hallway, they also have this cabinet. And inside this cabinet is a ton of good food. Now, see, maybe in the beginning when I moved out, I would come back and say, hey, is it all right if I grab a a drink or grab something to eat? But I have such a relationship with my parents, I don't even have to ask them. I can walk right in their house, open up their refrigerator, and they say, Kurt, you know, we don't eat leftovers. Kurt, whatever we have is yours. You know, you can have—I'm just like, man, this is great. This is awesome. Isn't that the same thing that God wants us to have? That we don't have to ask of him because we have such a relationship with him. We know where we stand, and we know our authority. Now, see, I'm going to tell you the real great part. The real great part is this actually has begun to work with my in-laws. See, I can walk in their house now. That's, that's the really cool part. <laughs> I don't even ask. I'm just like, man, what do they got? You know, this is great. In the beginning, I was like, Hey, you know, can I have a drink? Well, I mean, they know me by now. It's been 13 years. I'm just like, I'm going in your fridge. I love food. Anybody who knows me knows I love food. I'm going in your fridge, and if you have it and I can eat it, I'm eating it. So, but see, that's, that's the comfort. That's the relationship and the closeness that Jesus had with the Father. That's the beauty of what he's trying to communicate here, to whatever is standing in between you and what God says. God says you can have health. So if there's sickness standing between you and health, you tell that sickness to go. Scripture says, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. God says you can have all things that you need. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He supplies and multiplies the seed you sow and he increases the fruit of your righteousness. So if there is lack standing between you and your wealth or whatever it is that you need, you tell that lack to go and you call what you need. Now, this sounds crazy, and sometimes we even get to the place where we build up a sense of entitlement. And I know some Christians struggle with this. They struggle with there's a need that they have, and they're not yet seeing it filled, but there's a lot of arrogance there, and there's a lot of entitlement in there. Let me give you an example, same personal example. I can walk into my parents' house, and I can open up their refrigerator. However, I cannot walk in my parents' house and go into my dad's wallet, because that would be stealing, wouldn't it? I don't have the authority, even as a son, my relationship with my father does not afford me the opportunity to walk over to my dad's wallet, open it up, and pull out as much money as I want, at least in my house. It doesn't, I don't know, I don't know if it's okay. Now, with grandkids, this is a different story. That's totally different. But God doesn't have grandkids. And I think that's what happens is we can get that sense of entitlement as Christians when we're not seeing what we desire and when we're not seeing what we want. We need to understand that maybe there's some things that we need to ask for because God uses that as a humbling process. So let's move over now to begin to ask. What we go back to, I want to take you back to Mark eleven twenty four, so you can see this here. Again, if I was to walk in my parents' house, I don't know, Dad, would that be okay if I just ransacked your wallet? You probably wouldn't appreciate that. He says he wouldn't have a problem. I'm going to try it next time. We'll see if it works. But, you know, as a son, I just couldn't do that. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do that because now let me tell you the difference. If I was to ask my dad, say, Dad, I really, I really need a 20 spot. Dad, I need 100 bucks to put a deposit on something. He would give it like that because he's my father. Same thing with my in-laws. You know, God is the same way, but the expectation is that you ask, you don't just take. Because the taking implies entitlement. And even though it's yours, and even though it's freely given, you still need to ask. And I love that Jesus makes this distinction here. Mark eleven twenty three, 23, we read, and we just talked extensively about saying, but Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. See, I know my dad's going to give me the 20 spot. I know he's going to give me the 100, but I still, out of my relationship with him, need to ask it of him and not just take it freely. So we talked about in saying there are two principles, our relationship and our authority. The difference in asking, the same thing is true. Our relationship affords us the opportunity to ask the Father anything. But unlike our authority, it's the fact that Jesus has made the way for us. That gives us the privilege to ask the Father anything. See, when it comes to saying we have been given a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we have also been given authority through Jesus Christ. When it comes to asking, we've been given relationship, but our right to ask comes from the fact that Jesus has already made a way. He has already made a way for us to ask. Let me show this to you if you would look with me in the book of Hebrews. We call Wednesday night Bible study for a reason. Go through the scriptures a lot here. Hebrews. And I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 4. And I want you to look with me in verse 14. Hebrews four fourteen. If you're there, just shout at me and say, I got it. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through. Everyone say, pass through. See, that's the way. Jesus said, I am the way. That's how he's the way. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He went from earth to heaven. He has now created this direct way for you and I to communicate with the Father. That is through Jesus. That's what it's saying. Jesus has passed through the heavens. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Again, when you see that, that's a double negative. So you need to tell yourself, Jesus can sympathize with my weakness. Jesus understands what it's like to put on human flesh. Let's continue reading. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, because Jesus has made a way, unlike our saying, we don't have the authority of our own right to come boldly. We have the authority because Jesus made the way. So it's our relationship with God through Jesus, but it is also because Jesus has made the way for us. And I want to just show you this real quick, going back to the relationship. Let me take you over to John chapter 14, and we'll look at John 15 as well. Just real briefly, I want to show this to you. John 14, Jesus is proving that it's the relationship that gives us the power and the right to ask. John fourteen twelve. most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I will do, he will do greater works than these because I go to my father. And whatever you ask, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Why? That the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, now quickly with me, jump over to chapter 15 and go to verse 5. Are you there? Chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Skip down to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. In verse seven, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Some people have a problem with us saying you can have whatever you say. Some people have a problem. Oh, well, you just name it, claim it. You, You can have whatever. Hey, I'm not making that up. Jesus said you shall have whatever you say. Jesus said it, not me. Some people have a problem with the fact that we can ask God for anything. Well, what if you ask for something that's not God's will? Jesus says right here in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if the word of Jesus is abiding in you, you're not going to ask for anything that's contrary to his will. It just ain't going to happen because his word is in you. So you can have, why are we going through all this? So you can have the confidence that you need to say to the mountain to move and ask for whatever you desire, whatever you need, and it shall be given. Maybe it is we're not receiving more from God and more from heaven because we don't have the confidence in approaching him. First John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he has heard us, we know we have what we have asked of him. We are not going to ask for things contrary to his will when his word is abiding in us. So you can be confident in approaching him. You can be confident when that bill shows up. Jesus showed up at the temple and they're like, where's the temple tax? God knew that bill was coming. All you got to do is call out the provision that is yours for that bill. It's just that simple. When that sickness attacks your body. It doesn't have the right to stay. Now, we didn't cover all the Scripture, but you know well enough, if you've been in this church long enough, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, 1 Peter 2, 24, you know He Himself bore our sin in His own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were, are, is healed. So you have the right to tell that sickness to go. You do. You have the right. Now, I'm going to deal with, in just a couple minutes, I'm going to deal with some issues here. But I just want to give you three examples. Most recently, in the past month, in the past month, we have seen some amazing things happen. There's a woman here in our church who they found cancer in her body. It was skin cancer. And uh, they went and did a biopsy. They took off what they needed to take off. And uh, then they said, we're going to run the, the test and we're going to find out if there's cancer anywhere in your body. So when the woman found out, she goes to Faith Christian Center. When she found out that this this they found this cancer in her body, she knew exactly what to do. I want people to pray, but I want them to agree with me. And so what people did who gathered around said, listen, we command. What did Jesus say to the, 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 the fig tree? Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And what happened? It dried up at the root. Did you catch that when we read it? It dried up at the root. So we said, in the name of Jesus... Cancer must dry up at its root and be rooted out of the body in Jesus' name. Do you know she went and had that biopsy done, and they found that there was no cancer left in the body? All the cancer was right there in that single cell that was cut right out of the body. Nothing else. Nothing else. Now, somebody can hear that and say, oh, that's just coincidence. Well, you can sit there and think that's a coincidence, but I know that Jesus said, we can have whatever we say. Therefore, if we say it, I believe it happened because we told it to happen. That cancer did exactly what we told it to do because we have a greater authority and we have the relationship. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You have no relationship. And our relationship and our authority puts us in that standing in that place with God. We have the right. That's how we have the right. Second thing came up. My uh, my sister just had a new baby. A beautiful baby. His name is Abel Wesley. Now they brought the baby home. And when they brought the baby home, immediately the baby started seizing. Immediately. And they just rushed the baby back to the hospital. By the time they got the baby to the hospital, they found out that blood was pooling in the brain. And it seems like there was a malformation. Well... She's, my, my sister is a woman of faith. She is a woman of faith. And she said, we're not going to tolerate this. And so she put out the prayer request. Mom sent out the prayer the prayer request, and we just began to speak. I went to see that baby. I knew what to do. This is not about Kurt McWilliams. This is about the Word of God living and active. It doesn't matter. You do the same thing. I did what Jesus did. You do the same thing. You do the same thing if you believe and not doubt in your heart. I said, Blood, I command you dry up right now in Jesus' name. I hold the baby in my arms. I command you dry up right now. And whatever is not working and causing that blood to spill, I command it to stop now in Jesus' name. I'll tell you what. The first day they did the test, they found out, okay, there's some type of malfunction in the brain. The next day, they did a more invasive test and found out, okay, what we saw on test one no longer exists. We don't... We don't know. Baby's going home. Baby's going home. You see, now you can look at that and you can say, okay, well, okay, well, okay, you know, it's just it just happened, or, okay, and what if, what if? No, 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 no. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, move. Whoever. And it has to move. Let me tell you another interesting story that happened to me. We moved in about seven and a half years ago to the place where we're living now. And across the street, I went to the convenience store to buy milk. I thought, this is great. Who has a convenience store across the street? You could buy milk. When you got kids, you buy milk anytime, man, all the time. We got to buy milk tonight, honey. We got to buy some milk tonight. (laughs) You, You know, it's great. And we didn't have any kids yet. Jennifer's pregnant with our first baby, Lily, seven and a half years ago. I walked into this convenience store in Barrington, and they're selling drug paraphernalia. I moved out of Cranston so I could live in a safe neighborhood to raise my kids. I'm in Barrington, and they're selling drug paraphernalia. Now, don't ask me how I know it's drug paraphernalia, but I knew. (laughs) I knew it was drug paraphernalia. I just knew in my gut. And I walked out of that store with my $3 milk, and I said, absolutely not, I did. I cursed the store. I cursed it. I kid you not. Ask my wife. She said, I cursed the store. You will not be in my town. In Jesus' name. Weeks later, maybe a month later, boom, shut down. Shut down. I'm not kidding you. God said to Joshua, wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given you. This is my land. This is my land. You're not going to be here. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread I have given you. See, I, I began to know my authority. I said, whoa, babe, did you see what just happened? We, I, I told her weeks later, I cursed that place. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. But all those things, they build your faith. You're not going to start at the big mountain. Nobody skis on the black diamond. You don't put the kid up on the black diamond. Bye-bye, Johnny. He ain't seeing you again. You don't put the kid up on the black diamond. He's going to start on the bunny hill. So all these things are faith builders we got to start at those bunny hills and that we need to be okay with starting at the bunny hills and progressing forward. Let me, let, me, let me kind of transition here and wrap up. Many of us struggle because we don't see the results that we want to see. We say, okay, Pastor Kurt, I have said, and when I have needed to ask, I have asked, but why am I not seeing what I need to see? You know, if we aren't careful, fear will rob us. From stepping out and speaking to mountains. If you have spoken to a mountain before and it didn't move, you're going to be a little bit more hesitant next time the mountain shows up. I can't explain to you why the mountain didn't move. I can't explain to you why you experienced the loss. I can't explain that. There's a lot of things that we don't know. All I know is that you have to reach the point in your life where you refuse to quit. And you say, I don't care how big and how high that mountain is. It's still not too great for my God. It's still not too great for me because Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible to you. And that just starts on the bunny hills. You just got to build your faith up on those bunny hills. Fear will rob us from doing that. Also, discouragement sets in. We can become very apathetic. We've tried. I've tried. I've tried. Listen, I've tried too. I've tried to, and I could tell you if I was to, to judge, I would say that there's some failures that I, I should have had what I did. I can't, I have decided, I can't explain why it didn't happen, but I'm gonna tell you what, it's not gonna stop me from moving forward to make sure that that next mountain has no right to stand in my way. Maybe it's taking time to learn how to ski on the bunny slope, learning how to ski on the next level before I get up to the black diamond. Maybe that's what it is. And we have to be okay with that. But we got to be able to just jump right out there and do what God told us to do. John said, Matthew 17, 20, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Uh, Can you go ahead and bring up that image? Some of you will remember this image. You saw it on the television years ago. Uh, This was on one of the pictures on Time Magazine when I was in uh, high school. And this is the Berlin Wall. Y'all remember this here? Okay, this is a man with a sledgehammer on a concrete wall. I want you to just study the image for a moment. Because many of us have become discouraged. We've been telling our mountain to move for a long time, and the mountain's not moving. You see, maybe it's not the first blow of the sledgehammer that's going to take the wall down. But it's the persistence that's going to make that wall come down. What is the mountain? What is the wall in your life? Jesus tells us, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. In the Greek, that translates as a perpetual, asking, seeking, knocking. You may have to keep speaking to that mountain. You actually do need to keep. Sometimes you're going to speak to a mountain and it's going to go like that. Other times, you're going to have to really keep speaking to it. I tell you, go in Jesus' name. You're going to have to keep speaking to it. Other times, you're going to be asking, and it's going to come right away. And yet other times, you're going to have to keep asking, and keep asking, and keep asking. You know, I want to close with this illustration. You can go out and pull the image down for me. I was praying the other night, and we'll wrap up after this. But I was praying the other night, and uh, I just got—I just really got caught up in remembering um, jacob in the old testament and i love this account when jacob just decides i'm about to settle this once and for all and i've decided that i've had it with who i am and i want to be who god wants me to be and he has this fight this wrestle and he will not let go of this angel or this whatever it is son of god however you want the bible translate he says i will not let you go until you bless me I will not let you go until you bless me. You know, when you keep speaking to that mountain, you're showing God you are not backing down. When you keep asking of the Father, you're showing God, while well, you're really serious about this. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go until this happens in my life. Don't you all, those of you who are parents, don't you want your kids to get to the place? When you're young, you say, oh, my daddy said this, so therefore you have to do it. You want to raise your kids to where they get to the place where they don't need to say, my daddy say, My daddy said, do this. They just say, I said, do that. God loves to see us at the place where we're operating in our full relationship with him, operating in our full authority that he himself has vested us with. It gives God no greater joy than to see us operating in the authority that he has given us. You know, all these things we talked about tonight, they come back to one thing, and that's a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God through Jesus. That's what it's all about. You can't have the relationship, you can't have the authority, you can't have entrance into the throne room unless you start with Jesus. I've got news for you tonight, wherever you are, and whatever your background is, not all religions lead to God. It's not true. You can't get to God through Buddha. You can't get to God through Krishna. You can't get to God through Muhammad. You can't get to God through Scientology, Christian science or any other religion out there. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except they come through me. And I want you to know tonight as we close that Jesus is the only way. Have you been running from him? Where are you tonight? Let me talk to you and let me pray with you. Where are you tonight? Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And pastor, you can come if you would. Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Because that is where everything starts. Let me pray for you tonight. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you that you have heard us tonight and your word has gone forth. And we're growing and we're being discipled by your word. And we've received your word tonight so that we can grow and so that we can pass this word on to others. And Lord, I pray for every individual in this room right now. You know where each and every person is. You know what they're going through. You know the mountains they're facing. You know the needs that they have. And Lord, right now, I ask you to touch every heart. Here I am, I'm asking you to touch every heart that no one would leave this place tonight if they're not sure that they have a relationship with you because that is the most important thing. Not the power that you give us, not the authority that you give us, but a relationship with you. And so Father, I pray right now before I give the call that you would just touch every heart And that everyone would clearly know that they belong to you.